A chapter by chapter breakdown of the cult classic that is Battle Royale. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello. On tonight's episode, we look at chapter 13, A Confession. So, on our previous episodes, we saw the much awaited uh, fight between Chigasaw and uh, saw her got to finally show her skills before she was. Uh, sadly dispatched from the game and it's really here where this chapter picks up as we get another rundown of the fallen entries and we're told that only three have uh, been fallen which is of course a much disappointment to um takashi it's a trouble when they name him something completely different in the book and <laughs> in the film, but yes, uh, Takashi is obviously disappointed. We also get to see the star of his artwork that uh, will appear later in the film. Yeah, so I was thinking, I, I wrote that down in my notes. This is the first view of the weird picture, which is part of the weirdest bit. I mean, I know this is a film about a government-sponsored uh, massacre, self-massacre of, of of its youth, but the whole that whole teacher-student relationship thing I never really quite got a handle on I'm hoping during this watch we'll work it out but that picture is our first hint we don't know it yet but yeah, that's a picture of St. Norico, of, isn't it? Mm, oh, of Norico, I'm not sure if we know that yet but um, Yeah, you see him in the centre you see the centre of the picture and you see mm. little bits uh, around it so he's obviously focused on, on, on the most important bit but we don't see what's happening around her so... Even at this point, it's still pretty creepy. The fact that he's got these, this yeah. portrait going of her, of her, so. yeah, in a, in a very very childish drawing. But yes, it's just hinted at. But at the same time, he says, "You're going too slow. Let's speed it up." <laughs> Not enough people have died. Yeah, and I mean, we've obviously talked about before about the danger zones and the fact that we don't actually see anyone in the film actually get their collars blown up. And I was looking, just looking over the sort of manga and the book to try and figure out if anyone had actually um, had been like blown up by their collar and there is certainly one student um, who gets blown up by by his collar and that's um, uh, Sho Tsuki Ota who's barely featured in the film. He's one of the students that um, is gunned down on the beach by Kiriyama He's just one of the uh, gang members, but he's actually one of Kiriyama's gang, and he's one of the only openly gay classmates. His father owns a drag bar, and he actually wears like her nail polish and things. And his whole plan, because he basically spied on Kiriyama and the other gang members meeting up, saw them being gunned down by Kiriyama and decided that he was going to be real sneaky sneaky and just follow Kiriyama around as he basically dispatched everyone and then off him at the last minute. But Kiriyama gets sort of wind of where he is and tricks him into following him into a toilet. And he's standing outside. He's like, oh, what's going on so long? And he knows the danger zones are closing in and he knows that Kiriyama is not going to be stupid enough to quit in a danger zone. So he goes into the toilet and finds out that Kiriyama has actually laid a trap for him, leaving a slowly leaking water bottle that makes it sound like he's urinating in the toilet, only for him to realise too late, and he sees Kiriyama off in the distance as he looks at him really confused as his collar then blows up. So, You see, that, that actually sounds quite an interesting storyline, because I think I've brought up before, isn't it odd that no one gets their head blown up yeah. in, in, in play? And that actually sounds like quite a sensible 
but there are all sorts of sort of sensible stuff in there. Yeah, well, I'd, I, that's probably what I'd do. You sort of stick <laughs> stick close to the guy you think is going to win and off him at the end. Yeah. Um, that sounds that sounds a perfectly reasonable approach. And that you know, and Kuriyama's not stupid, and and he's pulled a very clever. Although you must wonder how full his bladder is if it's going on, going on that long. And yeah, and 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 actually brings the danger zones into play. Um, but that's not even a hidden. That's not. Is that in the manga or in the book? That's in both the book and the manga. Yeah, that um, just seems a really a really odd one not to include. But I guess. I guess, I guess things have to get dropped, but it would it would all that effort they put on to telling us about the um, mm. about the necklaces and stuff like that would um, it would make more sense. Never I mind. I think it's mainly because we show because obviously he's part of Kurama's gang and Kurama doesn't have a gang in the film. Mm. He's just the guy playing for fun. Um, so to you know why would be show be this like get one guy who's sort of like standing out watching the rest of the group he's this sort of very sort of flamboyant sort of character in it when you look at everyone else in the film version they're all very sort of grounded characters where when we compare it to like the manga in the book you have certain characters a little more flamboyant a little more uh sort of out there like mitsuko in particular um mm. she's very sort of sexualized in the manga especially um, and you really get the she's played up as more of like the gang leader than she is in this than we see in the film where we obviously said before she's like the shark like presence she's all sort of cute and innocent on the surface much like uh, Chigasaw but uh, you know you cross her and you're really gonna find out what happens when she bears her teeth so yeah it's interesting also you say that he's um, a gay character which obviously we don't really have anything like that in the in the film and the way you described it was his dad's got a drag bar that is such a japanese stereotype for gay people um <laughs> when he films do we, it's a bit like all those thai films where there's an inordinate number of um lady boys in them you know it's just not not realistic approach to gay people at all you know, it's a very specific subset but yeah i remember like the, at least two of the yakuza games you the there are gay people in drag bars, which, and, and, and that's the only place that gay people exist in drag bars. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's a strange. I'm not too sure about what the. You don't. I don't remember a lot of Japanese films, sort of mainstream films that really got strong gay characters in. I know that there is, um... there is queer cinema. Don't get me wrong, but not like. You know, like you're finding in China and Taiwan, especially. Uh, certainly, there's a few of the Takashi Miike tried movies that feature gay characters, such as like Shinjuku Triad Society, mm. where you've got like um, the cop's younger brother who's like uh, sort of like the lover of the Triad boss, and he's also got another like gay sidekick there as well. Um, so these characters do appear certainly in Japanese cinema. I know in like Hong Kong cinema, it's certainly a lot less, oh, yeah. and you have like characters like uh, Anthony Wong's character in Beast Cops is sort of like, oh, homosexuality used to be illegal. Now look at the state of society and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Obviously, uh, obviously <laughs> they haven't quite got the, um, well, I'm not saying our world's fantastic no. in the West, but but they are behind, greatly behind. But then you'll pick something up like a, you know, a Wong Kar Wai film, and, which, um, which will be based around. But yes, anyway, just, 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 in, just an interesting character that would have been very different with that would have shown a whole bunch of stuff off. Um, it's 
Yeah, it's certainly a shame, and like with the as we said before, with the manga, it gives such in depth into these characters, and like he has a whole backstory where he's shown like as this uh, character who's like an expert in blackmail, um, and he's like blackmailing this guy who's sort of like owes money to the yakuza, um, and has been sleeping with this yakuza boss's wife, and he's <laughs> he's got this whole sort of like sideline in blackmail and stuff, which would be, again it's all really interesting stuff, and I think this is where the great thing about the manga is that if you want to do a deep dive into these characters, it's certainly there to provide that, and the book to an extent provides a little bit of a deep dive into some of the main characters but like all the minor characters are pretty much covered in the manga so um as we will uh, come to a bit later but obviously we're this the majority of this episode takes place in the clinic where we've got Shuya, we got um i can't but i've been doing this episode so long and i still can't remember the names now who are we talking about who's in the clinic at the minute so we got Kwada, nariko yep kawada and shunya 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 and um yeah this is i mean this is the episode really where we find out about kawada's past in the game because as we are aware he's a veteran of the previous previous games and we he's basically hanging out he decides in this episode he's going to form an alliance with our two lovers who, who let's face it he's really throwing them a bone because i don't think they're going to last this game otherwise because neither of them have got sort of the killer instinct Sort of required to 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 survive a game this it like I this, and certainly with like they, yeah, I can't believe they survived this long, mate. I really can't. <laughs> yeah, you, you sort of look at it, and it's all like, do you think either of them are going to survive against Mitsuko or Kuriyama? It's like it's not going to end well. All, all they've got going for them is Shinya's popularity, because he seems to be everybody's friend. He is everyone's but... friend. Um, Oh, and, and just his pure luck. I think he's got luck and... He has dumb luck. <laughs> he just somehow manages to forest gump his way from one situation to the next. It's... <laughs> that is a very good analogy. <laughs> um, and I think things are only going to go further south for him as, once we get past this chapter. But no, I mean, obviously the majority of this, this chapter is about Kawada, who's... In comparison to, especially like with the manga, he's seen as like quite a a outgoing and joyous sort of character, and he's like this sort of larger in life boxer sort of build of a character. When we look at him in the in the film, he's sort of like this grizzled veteran. He's like, you know, he's just seen some stuff. He's like, uh, <laughs> like he's like a penguin back from the war. Yes, he's <laughs> <laughs> like Mike and Co. in uh, Penguin's memory. So yeah, because I was. I was looking at this because he mentioned that he was in it three years ago when he was in ninth grade. Yeah. So ninth grade make, would make him 15, three years makes him 18. So he is literally an adult. <laughs> um, compared, to, Although you know, he does look older than 18. But he, you know, he, he, he smokes, he drinks whiskey with a hip flask. Yep. He's, he, and, and like you say, he's seen stuff. And, and, He's got quite a. Although his dad again, this this episode we find out his dad was also a chef. So <laughs> he's, he's a chef he's and a doctor now. He's a chef doctor so far. We'll keep everyone keeping count on Kawada's dad's <laughs> skills. But um, we also, yeah. What was I going to say? He he's yeah he's old and grizzled and yeah and uh, sorry I've got I've lost I've lost my train of thought there. But yes, it's. He's 
he's old beyond his years, quite nihilistic in his um, approach because mm. we find out the reason he's come back, which is, well, not really worth coming back for, really. <laughs> he wants, I mean, he wants revenge, but he puts it under the guise of he wants to try and understand his girlfriend's last smile, which I'm mm. sure you could pretty much do out without going back into that, That's the exactly what I mean. Because even Noriko can work it out. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the dumbest person I've ever met. I love the fact that they build it up and it's all going to be like, oh, it's going to be like his personal quest. And then Noriko in the same scene like just pretty much gives it all away. Yeah, she loved you, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, great. <laughs> Way to blow the plot, Noriko. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in the manga, he's, as, as we said before, he's the... He's not a transfer student, he's actually part of the class, and because of when he, he came, he comes out of the, the game, he spends like a year recovering from his injuries from the game. So he misses a year of school, so he has to redo the same year, which unfortunately puts him back in the draft to go back to the island so it's complete fate he ends up back there um, at the same time he reveals that when you win the game you're basically shoved in a crummy apartment so you're set up for life but you can't talk about the game you're given just hush money but it's you're not there's like this gives you like the bare minimum just to sort of keep you uh out of society's notice really so it seems that the the government really have their doubts about the effectiveness of the game but you know, it's all that we're doing it for the greater good. We're controlling the riotous youth here. So, I guess, I guess the idea is to instill fear in the masses, and and one person a year, or in however often it happens. Um, yeah, like I say, you put them in a little, just pay them off and keep them quiet, and they've probably all got PTSD, and they'll probably end up killing themselves anyway. Which is uh, effectively what Kawada's trying to do here. This is a. Especially when Noriko ruins it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we do obviously get the flashback to his game. And I have to say that I don't know if it was just like the synchronized suicide club <laughs> workout. It was. What, it but... was a massacre, wasn't it? Because <laughs> in within within a few square feet, I think we saw at least twenty bodies. It's I like don't the know whole what... class just in a crater. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what the hell happened, man? No, yeah, it was. I, I wrote like you know, I wrote down my notes. Just that was a massacre. <laughs> there's nothing else. There's nothing else like it. I assume that's um, artistic license or something like that. But uh, yeah, so, something happened, and, so... and and now I'm going to have a question for you. Yeah. So we see Kawada and his girlfriend. I can't remember her name. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, we see them stumble out, and then they're. Uh, necklaces go off um, I'm not sure why and then one of them shot okay did she shoot herself to save him no um basically or did ne- somebody somebody else shoot her okay so the, this is where we get different versions of what happened in the film version the necklaces go off because they basically reach the end of the game and their plan to basically to wait out the game um, yeah. sort of backfires them because it goes into uh, into sudden death. So the necklaces stop beeping, so they're going to explode unless one of them kills the other. Yeah, and so she I get that. she basically um, 
for whatever reason, shoots him. And his re- instant reaction when he falls down the hill in the most comical style, because I just realized how <laughs> funny it was, so I rewatched it just now. Um, he instinctively shoots her. Um, right. So it's, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's, if it's to sort of inspire him to kill her, so she flesh wounds him, so that he like instinctively kills her because he knew that she knows that he wouldn't um, intentionally kill her in, in to win the game, mm. and she apparently um, so this is her way of uh, getting it, and I guessing that she couldn't kill him as well. So I see. So it was like uh, inspiring. It was like a it was like a remote control suicide. I, I could not, I could not work it out, and for, and I have to admit, and many a time I've watched that scene, and I've I've wondered, is there somebody else that shot her? And but but it can't be because obviously the necklace is going off, yeah. and it's not it's not very clear. So what happens in the other media? So in the manga, they um, basically in the book, she goes off from the school and she's killed by another member of the class, and he never finds out why, and he's basically he battles to the end to. To survive. Now, in the manga, the two get separated and they reunite, and she pulls a gun on him and he instinctively shoots her. Because he's, up to this point, he's had to battle numerous members of his class, so he's already got the killer sort of lust to him, should we say. So she pulls a gun on him and he instinctively shoots her. And it's only then does he realize she was pointed at a girl behind him. So she wasn't intended to shoot him. She was planning to shoot another of their classmates who was behind him. And it's only after he shoots her that he realizes that. So I don't know if that works better for you or... I, I think it does. Um, and it's almost the way I was imagining... That's like I said, I always imagined there was a third person around that yeah. maybe had caused something. But that, that would have made more sense to me. I think, it, um, yeah, it definitely would have made a bit more, more sense. Because when you look at the film version, I mean, they're staggering in. I, I don't know, again, I don't know if they've, like, coming in off the aftermath of this big shootout that's happened, or they've just stumbled in and it's all like, what the hell happened to you guys? <laughs> it's unclear. Um, and, and he seems to be in pain and injured anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, he, I mean, he's definitely he's, been through some. He's, he's, he's seen some shit. But, um, him, and, him, he, and him and Mike are down in Suntory's at the he, bar. <laughs> he has that weird fushuk fish hook scar and i have no idea what would have caused that well that that again i've written in my notes right so he, he so i think we've joked before with the bandanas and stuff like that yeah sort of, so 80s man but yeah he takes it off to show this scar and i'm thinking is that it it's like it says it's like um it's like um John Burns' version of Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four comics. You know, the, the the thing is, the idea of Doctor Doom is that he wears the mask and he put it on when it was hot and it's burnt his face or he's scarred. You know, there's all sorts of different stories, mm. but um, John Burns' version is that he's got a tiny little imp, tiny little scar like Action Man or something that really most people just wouldn't give a shit about but he is so vain that he has to cover himself up with the mask that's what i feel about kawada right now thinking really loads of people have scars like that why why are you making such a big deal and like you say it doesn't make and i I can't imagine what would have caused that like uh yeah weird it's that you you go for like all your different things it's all like it, it there's nothing that's going to get that sort of down and is it? It's just as I say. It looks like a fish hook, but mm. I can't think of what 
would have happened there because it's any sort of damage you have is going to be like a, a line. It's not going to be like that sort of curve to it. And so. and also pointless. It just adds nothing to nothing. <laughs> so she's vain about having a scar on his head. Um, you know, we 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 we're pretty sure that he's been through some shit. We know this. We've seen this. And you know, he's, he's even even if they hadn't done the flashback. He's a survivor of a previous game, right? So we know he's he's done stuff. That was that was just really weird as well. Maybe it's to uh, identify him in the flashback easier, because he has the headband in the flashback. He does, he doesn't he? Yeah. There, so it's like, oh, I can pinpoint directly. I, I personally like. I think it looks cool. Um, but you know, that's just me. But yeah, well, I imagine you're sitting there now with a with a bandana on, right? <laughs> I'm just sitting here, like I'm bringing back the uh, the bandana, not like the the um, sad balding man style bandana, like the Kawada style bandana, where it's like. Oh yeah, you've got to show the top of your head off. Yeah, yeah, not the for sure. <laughs> not the I'm bowling and having a midlife crisis, so I'm in a pretend <laughs> biker gang look. No, I, I'm I'm absolutely sure that you're sitting there with a bandana and and playing with a Bowie knife. Yeah, I mean that's that's that, that's your thing, right? That's your Disguise. That's your drive. So let's let's talk about his girlfriend as well. Yeah, because um, so yes, she that she dies in his arms, the the old necklace stops just before it blows up when she dies and she's got a smile on her face and Enrico says oh well the reason she and that's why he wants to know why was she smiling at me at the end and then he's taken a photo out of her of the, the pair of them out on a date or something like that sort of a proto you say that but it looks like her and Donnie Yen well yeah <laughs> it's just like Enrico goes oh look at the smile that if she's smiling anything like she was smiling then it's because she loves you she has got the weirdest smile <laughs> and I don't know why I just keep talking about her smile it sort of fetishizes it or something but she looks like a victim of the Joker <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> oh my god this forced grin on her face that just to me doesn't look like she loves him it looks like she's smiling by gunpoint <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd do it <laughs> Maybe that says more about me than it does about her. But yes, very strange. Mm. Although she has more screen time than than some characters in this film, so bless her. But um, we should rest assured Kawada has a plan to get off the island and he believes that he can trust uh, Shuya and he can trust Noriko to uh, to, to team up yeah. and uh, I've, carry I've, his plan. I've got a plan... I can't tell you yet. <laughs> it's an extremely <laughs> cunning plan, clearly. It's a very cunning plan, plan Baldrick. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't tell you yet. And now we're going to separate, <laughs> and and we'll meet here. But yeah, I mean, really, have have, have you, Kawada? I mean, I'm, we we know the truth in the end. But yes, it's a bit odd they just wouldn't tell them. I think you can pretty much guess what the plan is, so. It's all like even just like it's all like how are you planning to get off an island? Oh, are we going to find a boat? Oh, damn it! You found me plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like when we look at everyone else who's got plans on this game, like Mitsuku or Kiriyama, they've got a plan to kill everyone. We look at the third man and his two guys; they've got a plan because they're going to do this hacking thing. They're going to build a bomb. Great. Um, we look at those two girls with the megaphone; they had a plan. Not a great plan, but it's still not a most obvious plan that they had to like disguise as being like, yeah, I can't tell you what this this cunning plan is. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a weird. This this seems sort of bit bit weird all round with the, the grinning smile, the chefery, the 
the hard hard liquor drinking, the <laughs> the cunning plans, and it's, it's again, it's a it's a short little chapter, um, but with with a lot in there, and and we're not even done with it yet because no, bizarrely, because... unlike the DVD chapters that we've had before, they include something extra at the end, <laughs> and we uh, we uh, we have we have another character who I don't remember. Oh yes, we have a uh, Toshinro Oda, who's also known as Froggy. Because oh, we talked about Froggy. Yeah. Froggy is um, is basically the classmates. He's the class, the class spit boy. They basically all pick on him because he's not only ugly on the outside but also ugly on the inside, and he's resentful to all the other boys in the class because he views them as all being good looking because all tall and he's short and they're good at sports and he's not good at anything. And in particular, he's not a fan of uh, Shuya because he really hates Shuya and he hates Hiroko as well. And basically, his ugliness descends to his personality as well because he's also misogynist and has a disdain for women who he feels that should be whose only purpose is to bear children and to be shown off as trophy wives and he's vulgar and he's just like basically hates anything popular he's like do you know that kid who was uh who would just like constantly chastise you in school for like liking i don't know hair metal or whatever mm. yeah well that's him as yeah he hates um, and, and 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 i was thinking you know oh what a horrible nickname froggy but now no, he's, that's the way he's going to go. We're going to call him Froggy on this show from that one. Oh, yeah, we haven't well, even finished that. He also, <laughs> not only does he hate rock and roll music, he hates homosexuals, so of course he hates show, who we talked about earlier, and sports and pep rabbies, a school, television, and also those with a lower social status than him and his family. Oh, he sounds charming. <laughs> It's sort of like, we need a character to be really disdainful. What can we have him hate? How about everything? everything. <laughs> so, if there were black people in Japan, he'd be racist as well, right? But, yeah, and he's yeah. constantly played at odds, especially when we look at him in like the manga, because he gets very little screen time in the film. In the film, he's just ba- he's basically the uh, the fat kid on the bicycle. We see wheeling into the scene, being chased by Kirayama, and he's the kid with the bulletproof vest, um, who also has a helmet because that was his uh, thing in that he got. And um, basically, in the manga, I mean, he's shown as being completely opposed to everything. I mean, he excels at playing the violin, which of course he goes completely in the opposite of Shuya, who's like plays guitar. Um, and into rock music, and the fact that in the game he manages to somehow become even more disgusting. Um, I don't know if you can cash your mind back to Hinorano. She's the girl with the stun gun. Oh, yes, yes, yep. yes, that, that Mitsuka's um, killed. Yes, exactly. Um, well, basically, she was looking for for water in a nearby well, and he basically sneaks up on her and tries to strangle her with a belt, only to be shot in the stomach by her um unaware of course that he's you know wearing a bulletproof vest and at which point he manages to basically push it down a wall push it down the well and drain drown her so what was his so did he get a bulletproof vest yeah he got a bulletproof vest so that remains the same throughout but not the helmet the helmet he just picked up with the bike 
the helmet i assume he got he got with i maybe with a bike it looked like a like a um, it like did a, look like a bike it looked like a bmx sort of i can helmet. tell yeah. it kind of reminds me of like you know the guys who told you to put the lights out in the blitz <laughs> lamp <laughs> you know um, a warden the warden yeah warden, like a warden's yeah. helmet I'm having flashbacks to Dad's army now. That's, yeah, that's basically my that. reference point as well for this. So <laughs> the only thing we know about the Second World War is Dad's army. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh boy, we're we're ungrateful generation. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in the film, I mean, he obviously gets at the end of this chapter. We see him, he gets decapitated by Kiriyama, who, despite having one of the shortest swords in the world, manages to still be able to decapitate um him yeah, he's that... also he's also become the worst shot in the world with his with his machine guns he's really and, and he's only like 10 feet away from the guy on the bike from froggy um and he doesn't seem to be able to hit a barn door or the ban- banjo all of a sudden i love the reveal though when he's got the bulletproof vest he's like ah my bulletproof vest it's <laughs> saving and then yeah. he looks up and he's still like oh no that's quite a cool scene, though, isn't it? Apart from me going, ha ha! Apart from the kids overacting and self saying, ha, I've got to put it through bed. Oh, uh, yeah. Sort of hands up, and you see, um, you, you hear, um, uh, what's his name, Kuriyama? Yeah. Sort of unsheath the katana, and, yeah, that's, um, that, that's one of the, one of those uh, moments of quite, quite coolness that he has. Mm, I can't uh, help but believe that it was an inspiration for the decapitation scene we see in Kill Bill as well for Oren Ishii because she uses a similar blade mm. uh, which obviously dashes across the table and like lops the accuser boss's head off and I just can't believe that that tiny blade would do that but no <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah I mean I've, I've, it's one of my favourite scenes in, in the film and I'm quite happy for him to be sort of traded out and just treated as a disposable character in the film I mean when we look at him in the manga, um, again, he has um, a meeting with uh, Hiroka, who was the you know Chigasaw's friend, and uh, basically ends up you know getting uh, <laughs> getting him pretty much beaten up by him. So, He's but um, yeah, <laughs> I mean in the manga. He gets his fingers um, finger broken by Hiroko, um, and he also later gets he gets basically shot between the legs by Kiriyama rather than decapitated. So, uh, basically, just gets disemboweled by machine gun. <laughs> I don't know if that works or not, but yeah, this could be obviously another reason to to read the manga and the stuff. I mean, it's I mean it is obviously graphic and violent and oversexed in places and stuff, and I think that. That is something that can be a little off-putting, but at the mm. same time, you do get these these alternate takes on certain characters, which I think, are especially interesting, especially when you look at a character like uh, like Oda. But mm. um, yeah, he he brings our chapter to a close. Really, his unfortunate demise by uh, at the hands of Kiriyama, who who gets to clock up another one. He does. I guess he's um, leading the way now by quite a long. Yeah, he gets. I mean, he's because it's a nice look at Misuko. She's got. If we count the two in the trees, we assume that she 
she was involved with. They went suicide. I mean, we got two, four, five. So I'd say she's got she's got about five, and I mean, Kiriyama got five just straight off the bat on the beach, didn't he? So, mm. so um, yeah, she's she's definitely in the second place to to him at the minute. But I don't at the same time she's not really going for this direct approach that he obviously brings to the game. She's crappy just doing her thing. So. Um, anything else in this chapter you want to bring up? No, just it's just a weird chapter because there's so much that happens in it. But it does. We've had individual chapters that do less, so you know we have a bit of checking with Katano. I mean, obviously he hasn't got as many names to read out, but that's been an entire chapter in itself before the the six hourly check in. We have some more time with the clinic. We look, you know, we get a full backstory of another character, which again usually it's a chapter itself, and then another death. So it's quite a it's quite a packed chapter. We've reached into our second hour now. Um, it's onwards and upwards from here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty to really sort of come now. I think, as I said, now we've we've lost a lot of the, the more disposable sort of people. I think there's a couple of people in it who are not really playing the game and sort of like hiding out or being defended by other people. Um, but yeah, there's some some big groups uh, coming up coming up in the upcoming episodes, and we've obviously got uh, some of the big confrontations as well to look forward to. So, absolutely, it's uh, full steam ahead now for us, especially after the what four chapters we spent in the school having the game rules of the game explained. <laughs> Which you yeah. don't realise until you sit down and break this thing down chapter by chapter. I mean, it took, it took a long... It takes quite a long time to get into the meat of the film. Um, mm. And obviously we had a little detour in the last episode where we had a little, little film within a film going on, didn't we, for for, for a chapter. But, uh, yeah, hopefully onwards now to our, to okay. our uh, explosive conclusion. Definitely so. Um, so that's it. that brings us to the end of uh, tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. And also check out our main uh, show, The Asian Cinema Film Club, where every episode, myself and Stephen take turns to pick a film to discuss. Um, and we cover, as I said, we cover a huge range of films from anime and kung fu through to art house and the truly random. We mm-hmm. seem to cover it all. Um, but you can obviously find that, uh, check out our blog, which is uh, asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And our Facebook group in particular is just a real fun place to hang out. And uh, we post things pretty much every day, uh, not only relating to film, but also uh, to Asian pop culture as well. So uh, definitely come along and say hi and uh, join in the discussions that we have happening over there. Um, but until uh, next time, thank you, as, thank you again for listening and thank you to my guest Stephen. And we will be back next time for Chapter 14. Join me. Good night. Good night.